Support for WRFA is brought to you by Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union. As a local community resource, Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union is committed to providing its members with the professional financial services they have come to expect. Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union provides credit union membership to people who live, work, worship, attend school, do business, and any other entities within Chautauqua County. For more information, including how to become a member, call or text 716-665-7000 or visit them on the web at 665-7000.com. And again, you are listening to Community Matters. Jamestown Public School officials presented the draft 2022-23 budget to the Jamestown Board of Education at a work session on March 1st. District Director of Budget and Finance, Brittany Spry, led off the discussion. So we are going to start talking about the 2022-2023 budget. Um, it looks a lot different for this being my second budget season. It looks a lot different than last year does, and it's a lot more um, of an exciting conversation and a direction. So, um we're going to start with, it's, it's been an ongoing theme that we've been talking about as we've been talking about multi-year planning, but I just wanted to revisit some of these um, important points as we start talking about the budget because they are themes that play across, um, you know, to our budgets on an annual basis, um, you know, as we look to next year and into the future. So um, as a reminder, the, the district has passed along a 0% increase in taxes to the community community um, since the 2010-2011 school year. Um, in this budget, that is still remaining at a 0% increase um, to our community. So taxes will stay flat um, as we look at the revenue budget for 2022-23. Um, you know, another area that we have been talking about is reserve funds. And in general, the district has seen um, overall slow growth in our reserve funds since 2010, um, 2011 to present. That is an area that we are looking to continue to grow in. Um, you know, as we look at our revenue budget, uh, it is important for us all to remember that we are a district that is heavily reliant on state aid. About 80% of our budget does come from state aid. So, um, you know, as we have talked about historically, we've been subject to the peaks and valleys of state aid. Um, you know, in that as we, we look to the next couple of years, as we talk about the revenue budget and an increase in foundation aid, um, you know, that's just a, an important piece to keep in our mind. Um, you know, in the back of our minds as we talk about the future and, um, you know, why our reserve funds are so important and things like that. Um, and then finally, as we move into our revenue budget, um, you know, a couple of important pieces that we've been talking about is that the district has seen some federal funding uh, through the CURSA and the ARPA acts. The CURSA funds um, are out, are we are required to spend them by the end of the 22-23 school year, and then the ARPA funds by uh, the 20 at June 30th, 2024. Um, you know, and as finally as we look at the revenue budget, we're going to look at the executive budget proposal and the biggest piece of that being um, an increase in foundation aid this year, and uh, it's looking like it will be for next year as well. So looking at the 2022-23 budget, the, the governor uh, went through her executive budget, budget proposal in mid-January. 
Um, it was a bit different than some other uh, you know, executive budget proposals that we've seen. We saw a significant increase in foundation aid for our district. Um, we are currently in year two out of three of a foundation aid phase in that the governor's office and the legislature are um, have promised to districts. Um, so we are seeing a significant increase in foundation aid this year, and we are anticipating the same for next year. Um, when the governor proposed the executive budget, we didn't see any cuts in expense-based aids, which had been um, a reoccurring theme in executive budgets um, in previous years. There were no changes in the current formulas um, as it relates to foundation aid or any of the other um, expense-based aids. And then around April, it's supposed to be by April 1st, but we will... Um, we are hoping that the legislator, legislature will adopt a budget by April 1st, and they should begin, uh, we should begin hearing from their two house proposals here shortly. So look at how that affects our school district uh, specifically. Um, so uh, last year's budget, we were expecting, or we anticipated revenue of about $87.9 million. We saw an increase in foundation aid last year, and this was uh, the beginning of a larger piece of moving towards that foundation um, aid phase in. The district uh, received an estimated $4.8 million increase in foundation aid according to the executive proposal aid runs that we received following the executive budget proposal. Um, some other areas that we are anticipating an increase is in our Medicaid reimbursement. It's an area that we've been focusing on. Um, the business office and the special education department specifically have been working um, really hard together to try to get this um, area cleaned up and in a way that we can maximize aid. So as we look towards the future and we um, you know, see the federal funding moving away from us in 2024, we are, we are maximizing all of the aid that we can to keep our our revenue at um, a place with it at a maximum and a place that we want it to be. Um, as I mentioned, our tax levy, we are proposing a 0% increase. And um, I apologize that last uh, bullet point is incorrect. We are anticipating using reserve funds for the upcoming year at first. Um, you know, we were looking at some of the areas that uh, it would be appropriate to use reserve funds. And as we, you know, finalize looking at the budget, at the revenue budget in anticipation of this uh, presentation, we will be using um, about 600000 in reserve funds in our ERS reserve and in our workers' comp reserve, and then um, 820000 in uh, appropriated fund balance. So um, looking at the revenue budget, it's broken. To, I broke it down into four very general categories. Our tax-related items um, is staying relatively flat. The only changes are really related to um, pilot agreements. You can see our state aid is our largest increase, and that is a direct result of the increase in foundation aid that we are um, expecting to receive following the governor's proposal as long as the state legislature adopts it. Um, we did have to offset that, you know, we have a large increase in state aid. We didn't, 
Um, you know, to balance the budget, we we didn't need to use as much in reserve funds and appropriated fund balance. So you can see a decrease in that. And then finally, in the mis miscellaneous category, um, we see a slight decrease, and that is primarily related to um, some transfers that we have related to debt service and some premium that we have from previous borrowings. Um, so those those four categories um, together total up. Uh, just over 94 million in anticipated revenue for the 2022-23 budget. Um, so looking towards to next year, the expenditures of the budget, um, we are looking at, you know, to, to go along with our increase in foundation aid, um, expanding our staffing levels to, um, expanding our staffing levels to to meet the needs following the pandemic and following our district um, district's needs in general. Um, so as you can see, we are currently looking at adding in 15 paraprofessional positions. Um, for that, we had talked about in the Budget and Finance Committee meeting and Dr. Whitaker and I had talked about um, putting half of those at least into our federal funds. Um, so that would actually only be about half of that cost going into next year's general fund budget. Um, adding three social workers, uh, those are also budgeted for in the ARPA funds through 2023-24. Uh, depending on what that looks like, we may move them into the general fund because social workers, depending on the work that they're doing, um, they can gener generate Medicaid revenue. Um, so whether we put them in immediately or we look long term, they will help to generate some revenue to offset a portion of their cost. Um, we're looking to add five school counselors, uh, two community navigators. Uh, there is some potential in the future for um, potentially for some grad grant funding to help help offset some of the salaries for those community navigators. Uh, we're looking to add five TOSAs, which would uh, serve as dean of students. So the cost would be to um, hire some long, hire long-term substitutes to fill in for those positions. Uh, five elementary reading teachers, and then five AIS teachers. So as you look at that, uh, most of them would go into the general fund, but we, we are looking to offset some of the salaries in the first couple years using the ARPA funds um, because a lot of them are a direct result of, um, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic, but just things that in general that, that our district needs and would really be beneficial for our students and our staff. Superintendent Dr. Kevin Whitaker expanded on the addition of new employees. Um, staffing levels that are required as a result of our current conditions, meaning that we have a crisis in literacy and reading, we have a crisis in mathematics, and we have extreme um, social-emotional need that is coming out kind of sideways in uh, behavior-related issues. So <clears throat> moving through the list, the 15 paraprofessional positions are there for classroom support, they're there for assistance with um, emergent behavior issues. 
a number of these paraprofessionals would be what I'm, I'm calling um, BFRs, behavioral first responders. Kind of like a certified first responder in the emergency medical services arena. They have a limited um, amount of, of training and certification, but when the, the chips are down, they're the ones that are gonna get there first and they're gonna uh, be able to, to help somebody out right away. So in this model, a behavioral first responder is someone who is, uh, has the right temperament and is good at de-escalating a situation um, at its scene, at the, at the location. Right now, especially at the elementary level, we have um, administrators or psychologists um, who are trying to navigate that, and that's sort of going directly to the top of that chain with every single student. So we're taking up a lot of time from those professionals with those kinds of uh, situations that could be remediated at a lower level and the student potentially returned to class or taken to a planning center and, and things worked out and then returned. So that's the, the gist of the paraprofessional positions, primarily around being a behavioral first responder. Social workers um, continue our need to gain social workers. Uh, I know that there are some local agencies who are looking to add social workers that may help us as well. Um, social worker, remember, is a combination of kind of emergent care when there's a significant issue within the family, within the student's uh, life, that they can kind of bridge between home and school on the um, behavioral um, um, mental health, outside supports, liaison between um, outside agencies in the school, um, whereas a navigator, which is on the top of the other column, has more to do with the academic side, the personal side, the relationship side of the connection between home and school. Five school counselors, those would be directed toward elementary schools, um, but as we discuss, and I continue my conversations with the principals, those may be shifted, but the idea would be to add additional school counselors who can actually do counseling, can help students navigate their social-emotional issues, their struggles, their behavioral issues, and, and of course, everyone's very familiar with the, the high number of ACEs that many of our students have, and that brings um, an additional stressor to school when they come to school. Community navigators, we've had lots of conversation about this. So and I'm talking about adding two more of those navigators to help with our students and to bring our families into the fold. Um, five TOSAs, I, I, I called them deans of students slash deans of students just to give us a parameter about what I'm talking about. TOSA is teacher on special assignment. And that what that would mean is we would have teachers, this is also part of a little bit of a broader concept. One of the things we struggle with is finding leaders. So when we have our principals and assistant principals uh, retire, we sometimes have uh, a struggle finding new leaders. And this can be the beginning of a pipeline that we build where we have teachers on special assignment who can experience either as part of their um, certification process that they become engaged in um, or otherwise a uh, a bit of the school administration um, experience without actually being a school administrator. So they would act as a dean of students. They would be in a temporary position, meaning that the um, dean of students position can expand to fill five TOSAs. And then as that need diminishes, it can reduce from five to maybe something less. 
But either way, that provides us the entry level to a pipeline that maybe TOSAs become our assistant principals and our assistant principals become principals or principals move into district office, that sort of thing. So that's what the TOSA Dean of Students is. Um, elementary reading teachers and AIS teachers. These last two um, categories have to do with the thing that I mentioned at the beginning. <clears throat> the pandemic has exacerbated an already existing issue with two specific areas uh, in academics and learning, reading and literacy and mathematics. We just have spent um, two days now and we'll continue hearing from our buildings around a roughly mid-year report how students are doing, where they should be in comparisons to last year and the year before. And we are seeing a significant um, gap between where we want them to be and where they actually are. We have um, more students who are struggling than who are already proficient. And we need to address this now. This is the kind of thing that will snowball if we don't address it. Board of Education members Shelley Leathers, Pat Slagle, and Joe Pawalski offered their thoughts. So, so kind of just looking at this, like it's startling when you look at like, you know, a $2.5 million increase, right, roughly with all these positions and stuff. And we've kind of talked about in the Finance Committee about, you know, our long-term planning. And so, you know, we have talked about the Maisto case, like that may be a source of funds, but we're, you know, we're kind of also, you know, we don't want to like hang our hat on that because we don't, we don't know that yet. But we've also talked a little bit about what we think, right? Like maybe foundation aid might do. Um, you know, so I think it's important to have the discussion about these are a lot of positions and, and yes, we need them now and, and we're bleeding now and we need them, but honestly, I think probably long-term we actually need them. So, you know, I don't want it to appear that it's like a three to five year position, you know, but like that we're, that we're trying to discuss what the funding will be after the CARES Act money runs out and after the, what is it, ARPA, ARPA money? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, in, the ARPA. In two years. So, you know, we are, we are thinking about that, I guess, and having the conversations about that. So, like, if any of the other board members were wondering, um, you know, it's obviously this is preliminary, but we are talking about and thinking about those things. Um, so I guess that's all I just wanted to say about that slide. You know, it's a, or Joe, if you want. I think it's important too how you mentioned, Kevin. Um, you know, this is just the beginning. You know, we could definitely hire more positions. We need more positions, but I think this is a very good start with the the funding that we have being very responsible, not going overboard, spending more than you know we could possibly afford in a, a couple of years. Um, so I think the finance committee really looked at that too, realizing we need positions, we need more positions, but we also don't want to just empty the piggy bank all at once. And along those lines, I think the first thing that we come away from this is that, you know, we're, we're spending the money now for short-term goals, and we're not doing that. You know, we're, we're trying to develop a long-term, five, ten-year budget plan, and along with that plan is hiring people to fill the gaps where they're needed the most. And as Dr. Whitaker has pointed out, there's some big needs out there right now. And as we fill those needs as we fill those gaps <clears throat> then hopefully we can taper down over the next five to ten years but we're not rushing out to spend all this money in a short time frame right now what we're trying to do 
Let's put together a long-term plan so we can hire these people and keep them on board as long as we need them. Brittany Spry continued the discussion. Yeah, and before we move on, just to piggyback off of what Shelly said, you know, we, we, we do talk about, you know, when we're adding positions, how to make sure it's sustainable. And I know in the, um, when I was talking about revenue, you know, we talk about um, how can we maximize our revenue and, and Medicaid's just one area. Um, you know, other solutions that we look at are, you know, I've been working with Laura Penhollow who uh, manages our grants and her and I have been exploring areas, um, you know, of grants that, that we can start applying for once the federal funds federal funds um, run out so that can help to support maybe some other areas that are currently in the general fund so that 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 money is freed up to continue to support these positions so you know these are conversations that we we do um, have on an ongoing basis in our budget and finance committees um, and that we do have internally um, you know often so that we can make sure that everything that we're doing is sustainable you know into the future and so here is a very um, broad, general look at the, the proposed 2022-23 expenditure budget uh, compare, in comparison to the adopted budget for from last year. Um, looking at capital, um, we can see a decrease in, our, in the capital portion of the budget. That is uh, directly related to a decrease in our debt service. Um, that may go up as we are starting to dive into our capital project um, and once we start borrowing for that. But currently, um, you know, based off of our current debt service schedule, this is where it stands. Um, also within the capital budget, we, uh, you know, do have money allocated for a capital outlay project. We talked about it in both our budget and finance committee and in the capital project committee that we um you know it's still a priority to do the secure entry at purcell um currently the bids are coming in a bit higher so we are rolling the money that we have um earmarked for for the purcell secure entry um to next year and increasing um, the amount that we're transferring over to capital so that we can get that done next year. Uh, both committees had determined that that was the priority that the safety, um, you know, at Purcell Middle School for the entrance um, was something that we wanted to to get that taken care of. Um, looking at the administrative budget, it is uh, it's just a slight increase that is directly related to salary and benefit increase. There is no um, significant, there really aren't any changes at all to our administrative budget from last year to this year. Um, and then as you can see, the, the largest increase is to our programming budget, and that is related to, um, you know, general salary and benefit increases to um, the positions that we are looking to add to next year's budgets. Um, we also uh, increased uh, building and department budgets to match the increase uh, in rising costs so that um, departments and buildings can still get the supplies that they need to, um, even though we are seeing a significant increase to certain supplies. Um, we are looking to increase our CTE spots 
um, next year. So that's reflected in there as well, um, as well as uh, uniform replacement um, moving forward with the adoption of the new mascot. So that um, all, all of those categories total just over $94 million for the expenditure budget for 2022-23. So as we look to the ballot um, for the budget vote, I think it's on May 17th, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, we will be, uh, you know, if the, the board, you know, approve the upcoming resolutions in March, we will be looking at a ballot that um, asks voters to approve the budget. We will be proposing two capital improvement reserve funds, one for capital improvement projects for directly related to uh, buildings and grounds. Um, and then the second one is related to transportation and equipment replacement. Um, and then the last potential item that we that could be on the ballot um, is the potential purchase of property. The uh, First Lutheran Church had uh, approached us looking to sell the parking lots that we're currently using as that we're currently using um, for I think maybe student parking. Um, so that is an item that could potentially be on the ballot as well if the, the board chooses to move forward with that. Board President Paul Abbott asked a question. I'm, I'm pleased to hear that we're accounting for inflation with our supplies but with the energy costs you know with, with the heating and cooling of the buildings and with transportation, how much of a, because I think I'm, I'm hearing already like 25 to 30 percent increases. Um, energy costs? Yeah, and then for energy costs, um, how, and I certainly can't ex expect anyone to have a crystal ball and know exactly how much, but um, wiggle room for those sorts of things. How, how are we or or is that also part of what you've built in is is anticipated increase in those costs as well plus reserves yeah i don't have the, I don't have the exact number but we did take into account increasing um, utility costs and also uh, you know fuel costs for our transportation department as well Again, the Jamestown School Board will vote on the proposed 2022-23 budget at its meeting on March 22nd with a community vote on the plan on Tuesday, May 17, 2022.